Hello and welcome to the Book Bible, a podcast about the odd book or two we've read. I'm your host Scott and I'm not alone. Toby's here too. This episode, we're talking about the first in Stephen King's novella collection, If It Bleeds, and it's called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Gonna be a pretty mid-level spoiler warning, so if that's okay with you, continue on and I'll see you on the other side. an early time of the day mm. in your your side so you've been doing this whole uh, get up at five like a marine live like a marine exist like a marine mm. do things Robin, first thing in the morning uh, before everyone else is up and live life for the better how's that going for you mm. so I, i've been reading robin sharma's the 5am club yes we i've only just started i'm literally about 10 pages in but the gist is you get up at 5am to get your stuff mm. done uh, I haven't been doing it at all. It was just coincidental. <laughs> I think I was just awake at four thirty. Just I get quite disrupted sleeping patterns anyway sometimes. And I was just awake at four thirty. And if you ever get it where it's like, I want to go on my phone, but I should try and get to sleep because it's ludicrously early. Yes. But then half hour passes. You think, well, I might as well have been on my phone because I'm, I've woken up and I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to get back to sleep. And then, I basically just thought I'm just going to get up. It was about quarter quarter past five at that time. Right. Or I'd been awake since like four thirty. Mm-hmm. I just what, thought, what's this? This is just generally, or this is just this morning, or this was just one random first... day, like right? Okay. Last last Friday when I was texting you, so I was up and I was basically at a desk at about twenty past five in the morning. Wow. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do some stuff. Some of that stuff included texting uh, you and some of the people going, "Hey guys, I'm up at five a.m." <laughs> <laughs> people going oh, what for why yeah. also because of the time gap it's like yeah dude I'm just at work talk text me later <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, having my lunch <laughs> and I've got to be honest it was pretty good mm-hmm. I okay. got some stuff done I did work slower than normal but what I found I haven't I, like I said I haven't actually read the 5am club book but what I found was that time moves a lot slower in the morning than it right, does in okay. the evening so doing something for an hour in the morning, it's like, and you feel like that's a full hour. You look at the clock right. and go, wow, I thought two hours have passed. Whereas yeah. in the evening, doing the exact same thing, it's like, oh, God, it got late quick. Um, Interesting. I don't know the psychology behind it, maybe because I'm so sleepy, like I'm just focused on one thing mm. and there's no distractions and I'm sort of, you know, making a quiet coffee and some quiet cereal, like not creeping around the house, but trying to be quiet, obviously, because it's yeah. so early. And today I'm only up early just because of the time difference and, and we were going to shoot. It's not that right. crazy early here. It's like 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. on a set. So it wasn't, it wasn't, a po- oh, is it not? Okay, right. I thought it was 5. <laughs> so, no, okay. it's like 10, 10 to 7 here. Right. I mean, okay. I, for someone who doesn't have kids and who is a late sleeper, it's it's crazy early for me. Mm. Uh, I was actually on the phone with a friend last night and I was telling him about the 5 a.m. club and he then he's just had a kid. He's like six, seven months into a newborn baby and he's like, Oh. What's special about it? you get up at five a.m.? It's nothing. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I dream of sleeping to five a.m. Mate. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I don't know how how I feel about the whole five a.m. It's just that yeah, no, the idea of getting like Casey Neister. He's a, a notorious early riser. Goes for a jog at like four in the morning, um, and this? a jog by a jog. He's a like famous YouTuber. Oh, okay. A big one in NYC. Uh, he'll, he'll go for a jog at four in the morning and run for an hour and a half and then start his day mm. at half five and you're just like, mm. <laughs> no thanks. I mean, it's I a power that... move. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was reading a lot of CEOs do that. Mm. Uh, up with a coffee, reading the, the, the Financial Times. Mm. And is it, is it Margaret Thatcher? I, this might be trivia. I've been telling everyone that's just wrong, but I guess I was reading at some of the height of Margaret Thatcher she would just like sleep an hour every five or six hours. Oh wow! And just go right through, like no, no eight hours sleeping, just hard oh. napping, as it were. I suppose. Yeah. So that's horrible because obviously, like you just feel like it's one long day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you text me also about five a.m. club is just like you gain the morning but lose the afternoon. Mm. Come nine o'clock when I was logging in for work, I suddenly felt shattered. Yeah. It was just daunting to think, oh crap, now I have to do work. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was fine, yeah. but come six o'clock, I was out like a light for like an hour. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then I was sort of, I woke up and I was just hazy for another hour, 45 minutes. And then I was right. fine. But it's that thing of like, if, you know, if it's a lifestyle you've signed on for, I guess it's okay, but I have a partner. So to do the 5 a.m. Yes. clock regularly is to say, I've got to go to bed at about eight o'clock maybe every day. See, that's the very, <laughs> the very essence of why I think it would suck as an idea. All the best TV shows are on in the evening. <laughs> Although if, if terrestrial TV has changed that. But you're not the the point of the five AM club is to get up and do something proactive with your life. Well, yeah. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Not get up and stick the stuff on you would watch in the evening. No. In the yeah. morning. Mm-hmm. So like part of what I get out of enjoying being alive is being was able to watch and read stories mm. that others have come up with like that, that form of entertainment is a highlight of my day mm. sometimes if they're good obviously so to d- ditch all of that to be more productive i guess it comes it's a whole it's existential question isn't it mm. it depends where you're, where you're where you're at what you're doing it's yeah. given me an idea to write a book it's called the Six Thirty Seven a.m club <laughs> Uh, which it's a bit it's different to what you're expecting what you do right. get up about six thirty-seven, which yeah. is a bit less ludicrous to do a few things yeah um, and it's all about managing those that first hour and a half yeah um yeah what do you think okay yeah that could work <laughs> i could i could see some uh legs in that one uh no but uh yeah i don't know i i can't i can't join it can i like the occasional it it has given me a bit of a drive to when i wake up get up it's not too crazy because I'm mm-hmm. a big rollover and go back to bed. Right. And okay. work from home is only used that like I can get yeah, up. Yeah, I can imagine like that was hard. Five minutes to nine. Yeah. On the average weekday when I'm working from home. And mm-hmm. it's winter here in Canada. And it's actually been quite mild. But like yesterday, I was reminded about what a proper winter is here. Like it's just a, it's like a whip on your face. It's just like that. When the wind blows and it's sub, yeah. sub 10, 15, 20, maybe 30, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, it's like, it's not comfortable to be out at all. Mm. And it just encourages you to, to be in. And, you know, I get like guilt feelings in summer about not being proactive enough. Because it's like that thing of like my dad's always said, oh, it's a sunny day, son. Are you in yeah. Get out there. Yeah. Whereas winter just encourages me to get into my pajamas and get under a duvet and watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, guilt really encourages me. No, there's not only that there's no guilt, but it's like it's yeah. telling me to do it. Yeah. Why bother, Scott? Oh. Stay where you are. Mm-hmm. The warmth is so good. Oh. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I've um it was going on in my world. I've I've started taking I'll try and pronounce this. Panax, ginseng, ink go, and blubber extracts. Is that five different things, or is that the one name of it's, one? I think it's five different things in one food supplement. Oh, ginseng, I strength. know. Yeah. My mum used That's to do ginseng when I was really young to help me concentrate for exams. That's what this is supposed to do. Okay. This is, a, this is a, meant to be a, a sort of, yeah, a make you concentrate, give mm. you clarity and drive and direction and mm. just balance the interior workings of your body out a bit mm. i don't just recommend it to me from a nurse friend so i was like okay i'll give it a go oh okay i was gonna ask if there's a existential reason you feel like you want to get more focused. no she just just i was talking to her about the fact that i find with youtube and like you know instagram and things like that these mm-hmm. the shorts destroyed my ability to want to sit down and watch a long film mm-hmm. like an hour and a half's worth of film feels like an investment now and it never used to mm. and i think it's because i'm so used to getting that dopamine hit that you get from the the youtube shorts the yes. tiktoks uh, all of those sorts of things that is mm. destroying my ability to sit still and focus on something for any elongated amount of time so i'm trying to curb my youtube hits in the morning shorts reels mm. whatever they all are now called because uh, i deleted tiktok when that first came out i got it for a couple of months I was like this is amazing this is great this is eating all of the time that i have myself yeah. i need to stop this get rid of it 
Um, so I did, and then YouTube, and then yeah, YouTube were like, oh, TikTok's doing really well. Let's put <laughs> this on here. And then Instagram were like, oh, YouTube's doing really well. Let's put this on here. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so yeah, I've kind of found myself getting stuck into that life cycle again, and I just don't want to. I want to be. I want to watch the films. I want to do that. I definitely feel you. One of my news resolutions was um, to only watch films with commitment or mm -hmm. another. Yeah, like like put the phone down. Um, and just exactly. focus on the film. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a struggle. Yeah. Do you think it's yeah. because it's like I I could that like it? I do think what you said is absolutely true. But I do think it's sort of startup of Netflix is like smack in the face of here's everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the I, this is okay, but am I missing out on something that could be better? Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep searching for that perfect the, program it, it, or film. Or the perfect girl on a, a Tinder site or a Bumble right, site or right, a right. site. It's it's yeah. It's it's a, it's an a, was it an epidemic? I think that's the right word for it. Mm. Because like, uh, I was reading. I wrote it down. It's too early in the morning to go get my notes, mm. but it was. Uh, oh, I was listening to the podcast. Um, the one you feed. Right. It's like based on that old proverb of like, there's two wolves. Yes. Good, the good wolf and the bad wolf, which one wins? The one that you feed. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of them was talking about phones and that exactly what you're talking about, that dopamine. And he was saying, like, the problem is with it is that you never, it's like a very odd plateau of, like, when you're on your phone, it's just the possibility that something is going to happen. Mm. Even if it's not, and even if it doesn't, when you're on your phone, it's like, oh, something interesting is going to happen if I just search long enough or stay on it long enough. And mm -hmm. it's a very low uh, high. Yeah, that we're addicted to. Yeah, it's 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 basically an extension of the um, gambling machines, isn't it? Mm. But without any big. The, wins. the next spin will be the one that wins. Because mm. I guess I'm lucky. You were saying like your phone addiction hits you in the morning. Yeah. I'm lucky. Mine is always at night. Right. And I do hit those shorts, but I can I can sort of. You know what? No, I'm addicted to you. Sometimes it can go on for flipping ages because it's just it's a horrible. Swipe. It's just a swipe. Yeah. And I try yeah. and like, okay, just watch the video. Like I have a few like film or book bloggers or people I really enjoy. So I go to them because that's like some of them I feel this is my this is my argument to my partner when she says you're on YouTube. And it's like, no, but it's like I'm watching a little documentary. Like I'm watching, <laughs> but I'm I'm watching someone's review, which the yeah. Yeah, yeah, thought yeah. out. I'm watching, you know, stuff I enjoy, not looking for something to enjoy like the tiktok mm -hmm. thing is so it, it, it is that it's, it's a case of you get somebody just almost yeah you you're consuming media through a format that you enjoy getting it from a bit mm -hmm. like mr harrigan in mr harrigan's phone boom we had a time oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. hey listeners we're not just rambling at 7 a.m mm-hmm we're rambling about something at 7 a.m. Yeah, we were heading somewhere. You see mm. that subtle segue. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Uh, if, it, if it bleeds, when did If It Bleeds come out, dude? First published April 21st, 2020. A collection of four short stories by Stephen King. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about the first one, which is Mr. Harrigan's phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I just say, I'm, I feel like I'm always writing on the illustrator. It's, a, it's another bad cover, no? If do, you know what, do you think? Did you, do you have the, you have the first have, UK yeah, one with a, like a cat? No, mine it doesn't have a cat on it, I don't think. I can't remember. Okay. I didn't really like the cat one. And now the yeah. one I have is a cheap paperback, and it's it's whoever did Billy Summers and Fairy Tale, I think. It's like a oh, very right. yeah, that... sort of simple, vectored, uh, mm -hmm. quite popping in colour. Yeah. But like Billy and a fairy tale, don't really find it represents the... right what you're reading. Yeah, no, uh, the the British version of it kind of taps into, I feel like the outsider. It's got like a a person sort of doing this, sort of flex backwards in the middle of air, and then loads of bits coming off the back of them. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what? Maybe I have seen that. Like a. Mm. A chalk outline of a body, maybe? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah, in essence. Okay, then, you know, well, that was not bad. Yeah, so that's the one I've got. But yes, four short stories. Mr. Harrigan's phone is the first one that's what we're going to discuss today. And then you've got Life of Chuck, If mm. It Bleeds, which is the actual 
title of the book and I'm wrapped. Nice. Someone of the last one. Mm. Um, yeah. So shall we, I'll give you a, a brief overview, a synopsis as it were. Um, and then I've got my review roundup, which is... Uh, Thank you very much. Feature, Boom, boom, boom. Uh, so, okay, Mr. Harrigan's Phone by Stephen King. The synopsis reads, Craig, a young boy, befriends the elderly billionaire John Harrigan. Craig then gives him a mobile phone. However, when the man dies, Craig discovers that he can communicate with his friend from the grave. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, it's recently been turned into a Netflix film which came out in October of 2022 starring Donald Sutherland and Jaden Martell as Craig obviously Donald Sutherland was Mr Harrigan mm, you've uh, seen it yes I saw it, I watched it this week for this podcast actually and it's, it's Ryan Murphy yes it's, it's the American Horror Story uh, yeah, show, yeah, and I think it's got something Ooh, to do with Blumhouse as well okay uh, uh, just quickly, a very faithful adaptation. I was very impressed with how closely it stuck to the book. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, next, we have Review Roundup. So, I've got a few. The positive. I'll start with the positives. All the positives. This opening novella rocked my world. With signature Stephen King finesse, he introduces characters so vivid that they could be standing next to you. I'm particularly impressed by his ability to deliver the millennial youth experience as effectively as he writes about a boomer in his many other books. When you least expect it, he scares the shit out of you. It's better not knowing anything going in, so I won't give anyway any details. I shouldn't even tell you it's scary, but I guess it's Stephen King, so that's not a surprise. Uh, yeah. Then Matt comes in with a four-star review. Any reader familiar with Stephen King will understand how versatile he can be. King's ideas seem endless, and he's able to spin them into pieces of varying lengths. In this collection of four short stories, I almost call them novellas, King shows not only how he can chill the reader to the core, but there are ideas, but his ideas are as vast and yet usually tied to current trends. Denise, nice. <laughs> coming in with a negative. Once upon a time, there was an author whose writing stretched the bounds of his and our imaginations. Time passed, that author's writing has become stilted, dreary, boilerplate, and the dreariness is only compounded by his personal political opinions, loudened to seep in and poison what once was brilliant. I give up. Sadly, I'm no longer a fan. Ooh. That is seconded by Michael. I'm done with Stephen King. Trump derangement syndrome has impacted his writing in such a way as to simply turn me off. I suppose with the amount of money he has, he simply doesn't care about alienating half the country, but I just find that sad. I've read his work since reading The Jaunt in OM Omni magazine in around the 1980s. I've brought hardbacks, most of his books, and not the cheap sale versions. I've enjoyed his stories but can no longer tolerate or fund the disdain he has his aim towards me and people who think like me. Um, and one more. It sucked. This is directly about Mr. Harrigan's phone. It sucked. The ending was so incredibly bland. I wondered if the Dutch translator had forgotten a page. I even downloaded the English ebook to see if there was really the end of the story. This story is the least like a Stephen King story I've read so far. King's turning into that person at the cinema that sits next to you and keeps elbowing you painfully, increasingly annoyingly way and whispers, Remember, we had our first Nintendo. Remember when we had IMAX. Remember when George Bush was laugh out loud. Ha <laughs> ha, bloomers, am I right? <laughs> Got some love and some hate there. Yes, indeed. So Ooh. there's polar opposites on what general consensus of Mr. Harrigan's phone was like. Mm. So, Scott, give us an overview. Tell us what you thought. Um, I'm worried. There's been a few times you've called me contrarian on the podcast. Mm. And I bite my tongue because when someone says that, you can't respond because it, like, if you say, no, I'm not, it's like, ah, see, you are. And if you say, yeah, yeah fair enough, then it's like, <laughs> yeah, see. Uh, but I find you've only done it when I've liked something you haven't. When I don't like something you like, that's okay. But when I like something you don't, 
you get quite miffed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, like we we've actually talked about this before, and I, so I know your thoughts. I don't think you hate it, but yeah, I think you just shrug it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like you have a like, okay, you know, that's what that was, and I read mm -hmm. it, and it was there, and mm -hmm. there's nothing bad about it, but I don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I can okay. see why. It's yeah. um, just for anyone who hasn't read it. Uh, oh no, what would you give? You've given the synopsis, haven't you? Yes, you have. Yeah, but it's very brief. But mm -hmm. but it's the book. It's like a hundred pages. Yeah. So it's fairly short, and it has mm -hmm. quite a span. It's quite montagey. Like the yes, whole thing moves. I, like, I, I always compare it to the movie Casino. If you've, if if anyone's seen that recently, I've realised people are like, yeah, I've seen it, but like twenty years ago. But it yeah. moves at such a strange pace. You keep expecting it to slow down. It's like we're catching up to the present. It's like imagine if the whole of Lord of the Rings was like that that opening with the whispering voice. Mm -hmm. like, Jesus, just slow down and indulge in, in something. Like yes. just stop yeah, and yeah. have a scene rather than catch me up. And this book kind of had that feel to an extent. Yeah, towards the end, I'd agree with that. Mm. So it, it definitely had its flaws, but I kind of enjoyed it for mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. Did it kind of go anywhere? Not really. Did some of the elements not really get flushed out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think I've said before, I'm a huge fan of John Irving. Right. And I find their styles just quite similar. Nothing in content. You know, mm -hmm. don't don't go. Oh, someone said like if you like King Reed Irving, and it's like this guy doesn't do horror. He does <laughs> like sort of very modern like drama relationship comedies. Right. Okay. I guess the Cider House Rules is probably his most yep. famous one. I've heard of it. But you know, when King is at the beginning of a lot of his novels, and it's just a slice of life mm. drama. Dolores Claiborne, the first chunk of uh, fairy tale, this one, mm -hmm. the first chunk of Christine, I could probably just go on for ages. I did think that the, the beginning, the setup between this and fairy tale have an awful lot of similarities. Yeah, having read fairy tale. And just the setup, just the, the father, the mourning relationship of the mother being lost, mm. that kind of old guy up the road. Mm-hmm. But that, it definitely feels like he wrote this and this, like he didn't quite nickel his itch and it went his way into fairy tale. Yes, yeah. Um, so I kind of enjoyed this story. I just like the the uh, the feel of it, the characters. Mm -hmm. You know, like that reviewer said, the characters are pretty fleshed out. Yes, I'd agree. Uh, in that sort of strange blank vignette where you like them and you can't put your finger on why you don't really get to know them that well mm -hmm. but there's something mm -hmm. about his writing that just makes them very vivid nonetheless mm -hmm. so i kind of enjoyed reading it it's almost like the again the supernatural side could have could have been written out and it just right. could have been a mini coming of age story but saying that the yes. supernatural side i didn't didn't hate very no. tw twilight zone-ish but then didn't really yeah. go anywhere or come anything of it yeah, there's somebody says in one of the little bit of excerpt that I cut off of the, the reviews that it's been done before in a Twilight Zone episode or something very similar to a Twilight Zone episode. But I would agree with you. I, I It kind of, like you say, it just it kind of washes over you. The narrative is just tells you a tale. Um, and it has a, a few, not, I wouldn't, I, I never, ever would say it was scary. Kind of like a, uh, if you want to call it a horror, I would say it would scare Lana, who's 12. Mm. If you watch it, that's when it's scary. For a 12-year-old, maybe even younger. Mm. Um, that's a, like It's a good introduction to horror, as it were, rather than... Because there's no visible gore anywhere, really. There's a, I think the closest you get to gore is the smackdown from the school bully mm. on, uh, with the lead character, Craig. But yes, I'd agree. I, th I thought, I did, did, again, the the relationships between Craig and Harrigan were really well realised and it was quite endearing. Mm. And the fact that Mr Harrigan had just hired Craig to come up and read these stories of his old books. He's had this in this extensive library that he's catalogued and built up over the years um, that he's pretty much hated by the town that he's in. I bet Mr Harrigan gets up at 5am, huh? Yeah, definitely, I was going to say, he, uh, he, he makes a power move, huh? It's mm. like, he um, his dad literally says, nothing smutty. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, 
read Mr. Lady Shatterley's Lover. To Lover, yeah. And I thought that was like a kind of a power move. Like, oh, yeah. he's acting, he's sort of acting wounded. Mm-hmm. He's still got that killer instinct, as it were. He's oh, still, yeah, like, definitely. Of course, I'm not that deep. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, I think that, again, you like, you get a flavour of that throughout this story of how mm. how powerful he was. He's, he's amassed a massive fortune through being a, a shark. Almost. A ruthless businessman, yeah. I, I guess he tries to almost teach that to, to our character Craig, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't get to where I am by being likeable, but what does he mm. say? Like he doesn't stand nonsense. Mm. And like yeah. you see Craig taking that on. There's a saying he uses something. I don't think it's he doesn't take nonsense, but it's like uh, there's something he says, something akin to like, don't mm. don't don't accept nonsense from people. Yeah, yeah. and cut them out. And he, you see Craig later in life, like this is a nonsense man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly that. So yeah, no, it was, it was very very readable. I think I was mm-hmm. one of the ones I preferred out of the four in the book, uh, in total. Do you do you find his king's universe building sometimes tedious? Because he drops in Shawshank again. He's like, oh. Mr. Harrigan's house is it's so imposing because it sits on the hill and it looks over mm, our town. Mm. It reminds me of Shawshank Prison. Mm. And it's like, ah. Sometimes uh, I love a tin kind. Sometimes I just think, you know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to. Need to do that. Yeah. Well, this is what that woman was saying about the, the, the whole nudge, nudge, wink, wink, iPhones <laughs> and, and all, you know. Well, yeah. But he's always been, he's, he's been lambasted for that throughout his career, really, isn't he? Borrowing and homaging and using other people's works to create or set up something mm-hmm. uh, it's a, a little uh the messages that mr harrigan receives or no mm. craig receives from mr harrigan do you know what mm-hmm. they mean and what they stood for Spoiler i did alert, see for those that haven't read it you I saw the tweet did I you i saw yeah. the tweet yeah i yeah. didn't have a clue yeah um, i did go to ccc and then he did that sort of I believe in the tweet, he said, I know what I think the last one means. Mm-hmm. The first two, yeah. I don't know. This is what I think it is. I, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if I like that or not. I, I think it makes sense, though. The CCC is Craig, 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 obviously. And then Kiss for the first one, which is but, love. But did Mr. he say Craig, Craig, Craig? No, sorry, but what, what I say when I don't like that is when an author like, for him, if he said, I know exactly what it means, but I'm not going to tell you. Mm. But when when he says, "Oh, I don't know what it means," it's like, "Oh, so so it's meaningless." Right? Yeah. Well, I don't it, know. I, how I, I guess it taps that. into the way that he writes, doesn't it? Because he, he says he he lets the characters lead the way. Yeah. And if the character, to... if the characters are, if he, if as a writer, his characters are completely and utterly real to him, mm. and not of his creation in such, um, he's being led by them. Then. The, the the messages would literally have come from this character that he's writing about, not writing. Mm. If you know what I mean, does that make I sense? I do, but it sort of reminds me of the Colorado Kid at the end when mm-hmm. Stephen King said, "I don't know, like you set this mystery. Tell me that there's a solution to this, even though you're going to never tell anyone, even if it's as yeah. wacky as like you fell through a time portal and teleported. Tell me you have something." He's like, "No, I don't." I'm like, "For fuck's sake, then." Why am I trying to figure it out? Because it's it's like, it's me giving you a riddle that's just gibberish. And you go, okay. Yeah. Think, and not me saying, oh, I'll never give you the answer until you figure it out. Even if you guess it right, I won't tell you. It's mm. me literally saying, no, I made, there isn't an answer. I made it up. Make up your own answer. It's like, no. Because I could have done that. I didn't, I, didn't need to, <laughs> I didn't need to read a mystery. I could have literally yeah. made up something in my head. Yeah. I'm quite a fan of that. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, I kind of... But also, he seemed quite—he seemed quite right. adamant that what he said was right. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know that. Have your cake and eat it. Like, I don't want to tell everyone the answer. I want to leave them a mystery. But I also can't help it, and I have to tell everyone what the answer is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he says uh, the, the the second one is C C C A A, which is it hurts, it hurts, as in ah, and C C C S T. Craig, stop. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone agrees. I do too. See, I thought I thought the second one was ah, I'll get uh, it for you. Like he likes yeah. it. Yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. of something witty for the last one, like, but it's too early for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I quite enjoyed this little short story. I, mm. I would. I, I think there's like a sort of satire, like um, 
you know, they came about from like an odd joke of like, oh, once you get a phone, trust me, you'll be getting texted. You have put like, it down. You'll, you'll literally be on your yeah. deathbed texting. Yeah. But the last um, thing you'll really see is the, uh, the screen. Do you think phone. it worked? As a movie, I was just about to get to this. Oh, I just meant as like a, like, like he had the idea, but it mm. doesn't really tie into the time zone or how it works. Because as, at one point he even says like, you know, what, like he basically skips out the importance of the internet on home computers. Mm-hmm. Because he's making it seem like the phone brought this thing to us. But it's like he's talking from now, knowing how the phone addiction is going to play out. Yeah. But there's yeah, a throwaway yeah. line of like, yo, Mr. Harbin, now you've got a phone, why don't you get a laptop? And he, I think he says like, oh, it's like you've given me weed and I like it. And now you're saying, take the mainline heroin. Yeah. And it's like, you sort of got it the other way around. The, the laptop is probably the weed. Home internet is probably the weed. The phone mm. is the heroin. And mm. something just doesn't quite work. If I think about it too deeply about what, like his, his, his commentary on the phone mm. use in this time period. Like I do yeah. like it's literally set around like the, the premiere of the iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Um, it's hard I to I kind of missed that. Craig knowing the power of that first iphone personally because it yeah. sort of feels so, like someone that young would have overlooked it it was like a so, toy for adults when it first yeah came out, for sure. me that's exactly it that's that's the bit in the film the netflix adaptation that doesn't quite work for me is the the, the speed at which the iphone the very first iphone arrives on the scene and suddenly every kid in school that craig mm. goes to is sat around doing what kids now do and I don't feel that took off as quickly because they they didn't have the things to do as we do now, mm-hmm. like the TikToks, the YouTubes, the, the Angry Birds. All of that stuff didn't really exist when the first iPhone came out. You had the Messenger, but and I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in America it was very different. Maybe it mm. took off quicker in America than it did here. Um, maybe because I didn't have a smartphone, I definitely didn't have an iPhone one. Um, that I never really experienced that side of things, and I didn't have many friends, so. Nobody ever really texted me. <laughs> I'm texting dead people. Don't know it's open to seven six five four two. Do you want to text me? Um, so yeah, that that was a little bit jarring for me. You're right. I, I can see where you're coming from. The mainline drug addiction mm-hmm. and the gateway drug and all of that sort of thing. Um, but as an adaptation, like I alluded to earlier on, it was very very faithful, almost to the. Is that page. good? Uh, yes, so very faithful adaptation by all involved. Does that make Does... it a bit boring to watch? Is I it... paused it halfway through, went mm. to bed and got up the next day and finished it, which is a very rare thing for me. It is very slow, but, but much like the story is very slow, not an awful lot happens. Mm. There's only three incidences that relate to the phone conversation between Mr. Harrigan and Craig. It's not like this big right they don't build overriding thing it just happens three times Mm. yeah um craig reacts to the first time and it's so much so that he scares him and he puts the phone away for a very very long Mm. like you say a montage amount of time and then something happens that we won't reveal that instigates him going back and getting it out Mm. again and i feel that those those incidences that require him to contact Mr. Harrigan are worthy of the contact. You can see why he's angry. You can see mm. why uh, he reacts the way he does. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, it's a slow burn. It's like you say, it's it's the, whatever that writer, Irving, did you say? John Irving. It's, it's, yeah, it's just nice and it doesn't really go anywhere, but it keeps you engaged and interested in a way that possibly is going to go somewhere. <laughs> doesn't quite go where you think it's going to go, but you don't come away disappointed. I didn't anyway. Mm. Having read the story and then seen the film, I, both incidences, I was like, oh, that was quite good. You applaud, right. like the vision of a director who could take something you didn't think really had legs. Mm. And like, okay, they actually did put more dramatic emphasis than I read into. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I was uh, like a runner for a film studio, I was reading like an early like Hellboy script. Mm. And so I just read the scene where like a little sea turns into a tree and they fight. 
and just being young I had no real imagination I was just like okay fight a tree that's kind of dumb and yeah. years later when I watched the movie it was like oh, okay that's like you know you get some a director with some imagination and a concept mm-hmm. artist it's mm-hmm. not literally like I mean even now with Marvel and Lord of the Rings like, even that could be cool just a tree but it's like a giant tree the size of a skyscraper and it, it always mm-hmm. reminds me of like like your, my lack of imagination when reading something yeah. and yeah. lack of emphasis or like you know the simplicity mm. of like Hellboy fights a tree, action shoes, cut to next scene, and me just thinking, okay, so like I, I need that someone else to push it. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. The visual reference. Yeah. Mm. Um. There's the, going back to what you're saying about the drugs and gateways and all that sort of thing. There's a nice sequence. I don't know whether it's in the actual book, but I remember it's it's in the film um, where he stood at the end on the cliff and he froze the iPhone into the into the water. Screw you, he, Apple. He, yeah, he has he has another phone and he goes to throw that away too as in sever all connection to that consumption and the way that because he there's a point where he looks around the school canteen and everybody's on their phone Mm -hmm. and he's on his phone and he just realizes that's what and i've had that moment many a time on my way in on the into work on the on the train or on the bus absolutely every single person to a man or woman Mm. is sat there looking at their screen nobody looks up anymore Mm. to be fair i guess you went to birmingham birmingham yeah like the time as i was commuting in london you know as far as commutes go i don't want to talk i don't want anyone to talk to me on a commute well yeah no exactly (laughs) to be fair for commute if i know nobody's reading a book i'm gushing that's true nobody's reading a paper they're all looking and swiping up remember when everyone would read a paper on the metro and it'd be crammed and it's like yeah. you just have an else people to be holding it up in the air to read it because it was like the free London paper. Your shoulder fights. Like, stuff. guys, yeah. it's soaking wet. This is the busiest train I've ever been in. And still 10 people mm. are like trying to read like a, not a broad yeah. cheap paper, but like a full paper. Yeah. yeah the good old days. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that, the, the bit, the fact that he doesn't throw the second phone into the water and keeps it. Thought it was a nice little nod. But yeah, it's a very faithful mm. adaptation. I did enjoy it and I would recommend people watch it. Mm. Do you and find uh, I feel like King fights his like his eighties, nineties, his seventies, eighties, nineties, and so he keeps trying to bring them even like fairy tale. It's like this, this would have worked. I, again, I'm thinking outside of the fact of the iPhone, the time setting. So much of this character makes sense in a different period. They seem like he doesn't seem to be able to bring how he wrote kids in like it or Christine. You know the. Mm-hmm. From not his era, because I guess he was older then, but like I hate to say, now he's an old man writing about kids, whereas before he was like a middle aged man or a young man writing about kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's out of touch, there's just something missing that that kind of not makes it work, but just makes it articulate. Like, yes, he's nailed it. It, Because he always seems to write like uh, old souls, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you you mentioned this in fairy tale as well. Mm -hmm, I'll give you mm -hmm. a fairy tale, you kind of touched on it. Um, yeah, I can understand what you what you what you're saying. There is a sort of it, an old person writing about young people and young people tech, um, and that sort of thing. And it kind of, kind of taps into what I'm going to ask next: is like, do you feel there is element of ghostwriting going on? Because a couple of the reviews say here, oh wow, there's some ghostwriting going on, and maybe that's what's going on in the sense of what you're talking about in the. He's writing scenarios and ideas and mm. then handing it off to someone to sort of flesh out the... Uh, I mean, I'll be super disappointed if I find out that's true. I hope not. And no, yeah, I I just, I don't. like I said, it's more like he's... It's a great... Like like we've said, at his best, he's a great writer. Mm. And so this is an example of a very, let's face it, meh story and idea. Mm. I've probably written something similar like this in like fifth grade English when I had to write a short story. Yep. I'm not saying it was good, but the idea... Like, I'm pretty sure our teacher would have read us, like, The Monkey's Paw or some sort of, like, uh, The Telltale Heart. Mm-hmm. And said, now go and write a horror story. And everyone just wrote kind of a variation of what she just read us. And it just feels like something you come up with in school quickly. Like, yeah. And then, even though he was buried with the, t- like, you know, the body was buried and he got a text saying, get me out of here. I'm stuck. I can't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it feels like a good writer of writing a not so good story, or plot wise, I should say. Mm-hmm. I did mm. have something. Here's a little feature because it sounds brutal to say, but 
I was going to call it how to make it better, but that's, you know, that's just on me. But you know Scott's what I thought? way to improve your novel. But it's more like, you know what I thought I would have liked from this? That's a better way of putting it. This just felt like a setup for one of his, not necessarily epics, but a bigger novel. Right. So I was thinking, make him and Mr. Harrigan closer, because what didn't quite connect with me was that, why did he fall in love with Mr. Harrigan? He, like, like fairy tale, make his father a bit more absent so he's actually latching on to something. I guess he had the right, mum okay. past, yeah. you know, make Mr. Harrigan, like, help him with the bully when he's alive, like, give him some advice mm-hmm. translates. Then Mr. Harrigan dies. He does, he does, it gives him the, the punch him in the face. Line, oh, okay, he? yeah. You know what? You're probably right. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of works. So, yeah, you did uh, do. <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just cemented a bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, I'd make it, it make it his granddad or something. Mm. So then everything plays out similar-ish, but ten years later, mm-hmm. what's he doing when he's older with the money? Did he become in the stock market, but he wants to be a writer, or did he become a failed writer and it's like, damn, I should take in stock? And then maybe in adult life, he like we never quite know if the texting is real mm. or it's in his head and it's coincidental, mm-hmm. or, or like the secret garden, secret window he's like god mental and he's like going around killing people and he thinks it's this apparition on the phone and he, and you know like he's, he's in his adult life yeah know? yeah maybe he has the shine and or, or maybe remember yeah. in dr sleep when mr harrigan pops out of the body and he's like yo this is hard trying to speak to you from the afterlife maybe mm-hmm. he's, he's texting he's, he thinks he's texting mr harrigan he's actually texting not 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 uh not the chef from the shining but you know, just... <laughs> right, right, I think right. I think I think you could you tap on something there. The the whole idea of the the phone being an addiction, maybe the the texting a dead person, and mm. reacting to what a dead person's replying, and that becomes the addiction that then leads to a greater novel. Mm-hmm. Think about how That's a lot of his old novels started, like the Dead Zone and the Dark Heart. Mm. This kind of felt like an intro to. Ooh, this character's becoming like I don't know. Maybe it turns he died and Mr. Mm. Harrigan's fine, and it's like he yeah. never he never gets to leave his little town. And there was like a giant gas leak that killed half the town, and Mr. Harrigan is just horrifically actually alive, getting texts from all the town saying, hey, yeah. "Help me!" He's like, "Fucking stop it! Please stop!" But then texting me, <laughs> okay, that's the twist that's been done. But that's kind of what I thought, like because it yeah. like this didn't really give me the bite. I mean, it comes down to like, do you like short stories? I suppose like we always go for the longer ones because the short story is less nourishing and more satisfying. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have on that. Like, what, what I might have liked, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's cool. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see where you're going with that. I, um, whether I agree or not, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I quite. I mean, it is a very simple tale, and it is about understanding and moving on dealing with loss um mm. and yeah a coping mechanism i mean yeah. do you think the texts are real is there any chance that yeah definitely mental okay so there's no ambiguity do you no i i, I take it at fate, fate, fate like value someone else is going to look at the phone and it's like a smashed up phone that doesn't even have mm-hmm. a battery mm-hmm. i was thinking what you said about that someone who said like he used to be scary and now he's trying to write stuff that isn't scary but you've read like Dance Macabre, and we've both read on writing. On writing, for example, uh, mm. in in his novel It, it's set in such a period that each kid has a phobia, and it's like his phobia is like the mummy because it's set in an era where the movie The Mummy would have come out, and it, and it mm-hmm. was terrifying. I guess I feel like he's merging those two worlds of something modern with a very old school Edgar Allan Poe esque horror. Mm. So by today's standards, of course, it's not scary. It's that thing of like, you, you know, if you're just reasoning through, looking for like not cheap thrills, but like you said, there's no gore, and it's always fun when a horror has gore, for example. So it's easy yeah. to just sort of go, okay, he gets a text, that's not scary. It's that thing of like, okay, you have to like apply it to the real world, like the yeah. implication, because the implications are terrifying. Mm-hmm. Literally, at the in that scene, Craig's like, yo. Dad, we've got to go dig him up. He's alive. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, um, yeah completely. 
you know, anyway. it is scary is when you when you forget you've got a lodger in your and you're staying in your house and she walks past the living room door while you're doing a podcast. <laughs> Oh, here's the, the twist. Silhouette shot past in, the an hour, you get, in, in an hour, you get a text. You say, Oh, by the way, I'm out all day and I haven't been home for three days. <laughs> now, there's a story, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, Mr. Harrigan's phone. There's no, reason, there's no reason not to read it. It's so short. Yeah. And if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. You've just ticked Yeah, exactly off. that. Exactly that. Um, and I, I, yeah, highly recommend watching the film because it is not bad. Mm, Dr. Donald Sutherland's good. I think that's quite good yeah, casting. Yeah, he's very good. He can have that sternness that a character like this mm-hmm. requires. Um, I guess I've seen him in too many Creepster movies where it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I watch this, my partner doesn't know the story. She's going to be waiting for him him to be like the horror guy. It's interesting moment. seeing that uh, Jaden Martell in another Stephen King adaptation as well. Mm. He was in It, I think. Are the bullies done well? It's always yes, kind of the bully's like, great. The bully's really literally a cliche, uh, huh? The you bullies. kind of feel for again, like, like you do with the one from it and things like that. You know, circumstances led them to where they are, and he's just he's just a dumb bully. Like, but sorry, you saying like you feel for him, like you feel like yeah. he's being bullied. Like, there's depth for that there's, character. Yeah, there's stuff going just... on at home. You mm. can you see a, there's a brief snapshot of his home life when he's when when his body's being carried out and whatnot. Yeah, it's done really well. He's, he's rounded out and he's just, yeah, the big dumb bully. It's the best way of putting it. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. yeah. What, um, I get too late to introduce it now. I was going to say like fans of this, fans of 11, 22, 63. Mm. I also got vibes of that. Yeah. I guess because I'm of the sort you said of, that, sort I was of thinking like the same thing. montage. I guess, teacher. and you know what? Like we have, like in eleven twenty two sixty three, which is a tundra, we have like something or like someone something sad happening, and a character has like I can influence this somehow. Yeah, it's not out of his control. In this case, it's mm-hmm. the phone. Can he do something mm-hmm. to like get some retribution? And in twenty two eleven twenty sixty four, it's like can I do have the power to abort this? Yeah, and redo it. And change yeah, that reset. one thing, even mm. though I don't want to, you know. Yeah. I got vibes of that. Mm. I don't know, More, you know, go, just to, I was on a tangent for those that have listened to our eleven twenty two sixty three podcast and know how much I, much disdain I had for how bored I was with it. Mm. I, the more I talk about it, and the more I think about it, and the more time that passes from reading it, the more I start to enjoy it. That's cool. I've had that a few times. Mm. Like I've got, like when we did Shining, it. I think I did really like mm-hmm. it first. Uh, that because what we did talk about was you saw the TV show before mm. you read it, and it's a big book to know everything exactly that's coming, that's going, yeah. and there's a lot of gaps between everything that's coming. Of just yeah. like this, the stuff that I enjoyed was just the quiet life, just getting on with life quietly, and basically, mm-hmm. uh, what equivalents in that book is a 400 page romance before, which is exactly the bits that I, I reflect back on now and think actually that was really quite good. Mm. That relationship between the two central characters was warm and there was a lot of love in there and I think that's his best written book post millennium. Okay. And I don't think like it has like like that romance was so strong for me, like it has some of the strongest writing mm. in what feels like a really long time. And it's flawed, let's you know what. If you would more, go back and listen to that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> Michelle unfortunately disagrees with you, and she thinks that was the start of the demise of Stephen King. But wow, okay. Uh-huh. Well, I guess I want to know what she thinks of, for example, like the Dead Zone. It's the eleven twenty two sixty four has not echoes, not even tonally, just like it's like a soul sister in ideas. Sorry, Denise, not Michelle. That's Michael. I read it wrong. Yeah, Denise thinks that. So, Denise, if you're listening, get in contact. Tell us what you thought of the Dead Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I, found, I found your review on good Goodreads. So if you're that Denise, get in contact. Man, how very well dare you. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Why did he have Stand By Your Man as his ringtone? Stand by your man. It's really irritatingly like, I guess a little comedy break, but King, I guess I don't want a very on-the-nose song. Mm. But it just felt a very obscure song to keep bringing mm. back between like a young boy and this old man. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> King like loves music. So many of his chapter heads are music lyrics. 
and this belt a bit plucked out of the air for its irrelevance because it's such a random left field like because it has no connection mm. but it was weird uh, for me it yeah, is well. weird I don't, I, yeah, I don't know it works in the film there's, uh, there's a really good bit where it it's like one of the only jump scares in the film where it kicks in Mm. They do that thing where it's like on an old vinyl where the power's going and the, the strings are sort of detuning as it goes. Very But yeah, I don't know. I can't can't give you a reason. Oh. Also, I've asked you because we're about to wrap up. Before <laughs> yeah, you go, yeah. <laughs> before you go, is it okay? Have a, have, have a mull on that one. Mm. <laughs> Let us know, listener, what you thought mm. of Mr. Harriman's Bone book or movie. Yep, and join us next time. Or, I believe, The Life of Chuck. Mm. Which, spoiler alert, I don't know how I feel about it. Well, you've already given away that you feel like Mr. Harrigan's phone is the best of the four. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you not say that at the top of the episode? No, I didn't say that. Holly's in one of them, so this this is a (laughs) no-brainer. Okay. (laughs) Who's going to win out on this one? (laughs) Well, now you've given away. (laughs) Well, join us for Life is Chuck. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Join us for Life of Chuck. Have a great day. Tell me what we're up to the rest of the day. I am going to... What am I going to do? That's a good question. Don't really know. Chill day. Uh-huh. Yeah, very much mm. chill day. I'm going on a date tomorrow. Right. First date? Uh, yeah, first date in Worcester. Going to travel down to Worcester and see this lady. Uh, she seems really nice. I don't really know much about her, which is good because... Be a nice mm-hmm. surprise to lots to talk about. It's going to go for a coffee and build from there somewhere. Well, hey, have fun. Thank you. What are you? What are you going to do? Oh, good. Now, here's the thing <laughs> do I get back into It's 7 30 a.m. on a Saturday. Do I right. go back to bed? Will I be able to sleep? Had a coffee. But no. we're supposed to be seeing Avatar today. It's three hours no. long. Ooh. So if I don't get, because I was up till about 1 1 30 last night. Right. So this is going to catch up on me at some point. Mm-hmm. Do I do I try and get asleep? Do I get up and be productive now? Yes. Oh, I wasn't the slot. Cheers, Toby. Don't you have Don't you have a lot of uh, living room for clay? Uh, sort of. I need to go. I'm going to wrap it up around there. I want to thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed. Join us again next episode and until then, support your local bookstores and have a great day.